The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. special isolation edition of Eat This with Leanne. Here's Leanne Philipson. About two weeks ago, I went out to the supermarket for a bigger shop to add to my usual weekly farmer's visit in the hall of fresh vegetables that I get from there. I needed to stock up on some pantry essentials, you know, the the extra staples that I just kind of wanted to have on hand. So some fast snacks were on my mind to have on standby. There's times when you just need to dash out of the house and throw something in a bag that's not gonna bruise or get smushed. But heading to the supermarket these days isn't the same as it once was. And I got a really funny stare the other day as I was hanging around reading the label of these granola type bars that I thought could work as our grab and go snack. Someone behind me was trying to distance themselves from me, of course, but also wanted something that was on the shelf right in front of me. So cue the physically distanced dance. You can picture it, right? Yeah. <laughs> as, as, I, as I stood there reading the fine print, seeing her out of the corner of my eye, I stopped reading. I stepped aside with my box of bars and let her grab what she needed. And I carried on reading because, you know, that's what I do. Not so easy these days, but I need to know what I'm gonna buy. The first place I look, and the I guess for most of you, you probably do the same, is the front of the box or the package. Marketers and those who spent months and months crafting the color, a copy, where each aspect of the label is. Is there a logo here or a logo there or at the top or at the bottom? Because basically they want to catch your eye. That package that's probably right next to whatever it is that you're looking at is maybe like an ingredient or two different from the product that's in your hand. So what is it that grabs your attention? Maybe it says that it's natural. Maybe it says whole grain on that label. Organic, well, that definitely gets my attention as well as something that might say low sugar. Chris, what grabs you as you're heading up and down the aisles and what, what is it that you always look for? Oh, we have some sensitivities in the house. So we have uh, not necessarily lactose free, but lactose sensitivities. So I'm okay. always lactose free is a big one. Um, yep. Gluten free is another one um, yep. that tends to to, uh, to catch my and I'm like a child. So anything colorful and bright is fine. You know, <laughs> turns my head. <laughs> some, some, somebody brings out some shiny keys and I'll stare at it for at least five minutes. <laughs> I still totally haven't, gr- get it. I haven't grown out of it. But <laughs> and, that's, and that's what their job is. It's true. And, yeah. And when you think about it, a product's going to market and they're going to spend who knows what on that label. It's got to be right. So in the age of careful claim marketing, what should we believe as we scan those aisles and look for something that's going to feed ourselves and our family that's going to make you feel good about what you're putting onto the table? 
What if it says something like, this is good for your brain, as in there for a little while, there was orange juice that had added DHA, which is the essential fat, which has more of an affinity for your brain, your memory and IQ. And how about zinc added to your morning glass of machine squeezed and pasteurized, aka it means that it's heated to keep you safe from bacteria, but also kills all the vitamin C in it. Um, would that make you pick it up? Yeah, you know, like that vital vitamin that's in the vitamin C, which is why you're drinking in the first place, just got killed with the pasteurization. But that's not on the front of the label. Excuse me? Um, I just blurted that out, but I, I meant it. So, big breath. This is when your head just starts to spin. You walk up and down those aisles and, man, you just want to, you want to trust what's on there. And when you read a label and you like the sound of it, but then the head starts spinning because you question it. Am I just being sold to? Did the company that spent those thousands of dollars of hiring the best marketing team come up with a label that, you know, they just want you to see it. And in Chris's case, if it's brighter and shinier, that works for him. <laughs> I look a little bit more at, hmm, if this is a little more blah, then maybe it's, you know, in your typical sort of like, air quotes, granola, it's organic, yeah. natural type of thing. So maybe that's maybe what I'm going to go for. Boring. But really, what's on that label that's going to make me pick up something versus the competition? And of course, that's the million dollar question. Further to, is it actually healthy? And are those claims really true? So today on Eat This with Leanne, I'm going to have a discussion with Dana McCauley. She's a veteran in the food industry, and boy, oh boy, have I got questions for her, for both you and I. And I want to know about these health claims on the labels, the influence that our food labels have, and also, like, where are we at with food innovation in the midst of all this COVID stuff that's going on out there? I know that I've been lured into buying a certain product because of what's on that label front and center and I bet you could say the same. I wanted some insight into what's going on because I feel a trend towards some new wording on labels like good for your immunity, contain zinc, which is a helpful mineral for the immune system, is about to hit us harder than any other claim that we've seen before. And I really want to know is what is the claim. Is it going to do what it says it's going to do? Is it truthfully going to have an impact on us? Truly, these questions are the ones that run through my mind as I see any kind of product that hits the market as I shop for myself and my kids. And also, I always have that discerning eye because I want to I want to have a conversation with somebody, especially you, and I want to break it down. My frustration level hits at an 11 out of 10 when a new parent says to me, well, it says that on the label, you know, dot, dot, dot. It's going to do this for my baby. And they take it as gospel because of what the label says. So, for instance, something that I talk about a lot is about the iron that's found in the processed and packaged infant cereal. That is a conversation I've had a million times. I've written it about it in both of my books. And when I speak to parents every single month, this is a huge conversation that ensues because they think that because of what it says on the label, that it's the right thing. What really gets me is I think that it's that we put our trust in advertising 
And that for me is a real worry. I find myself breaking down what so many believe to be true. That's what I talk about on radio. That's what I do on TV. That's what I do in this podcast and having to go against what the labels and the marketing is telling you, but also why. So often my clients are left wondering why a certain food isn't doing what it says that it's going to do and actually having an impact on their life. Okay, I could rant on about this one for a really long time, but instead I've invited Dana McCauley to speak with us to give her perspective on labeling and a lot more. She's been in the food industry for a really long time in many, many different roles and positions. Right now, Dana is the director of the New Venture Creation in the Research Innovation Office at the University of Guelph. On her resume, Dana shared that she was the founding executive director for Food Starter which is a Toronto-based food business incubator and accelerator. Under Dana's help, in just 18 months, Food Starter clients launched over 80 product lines and created more than 160 food sector jobs. And the organization itself was recognized with a Premier's Award of Agri-Food Innovation Excellence. Holy smokes. Way to go, Dana. The rest of Dana's brilliance and experience will be in the show notes on leannephillipson.com and, of course, how to reach out to her, too. Welcome, Dana McCauley, to the Eat This with Leanne podcast. Thanks so much for being along today. And uh, just before we jump into some questions that I've got uh, that I've got all ready for you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience? I know you've been in the food industry a really long time. That's how you and I first met. But um, I'll give you the floor to to share with our lovely loyal listeners all about yourself. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know I've had a really um, amazing career in the food business. I've basically gotten further away from people's mouths as my career has progressed. So I started out as a chef and uh, of course I was very close to people then so in, in open kitchens. I could actually see the people eating the food that uh, was my job to prepare. And then I moved into food media and started writing cookbooks and getting on um, sort of the, the public's radar screen. And uh, that led food companies to approach me and say, hey, you do interesting things. Can you help us too? So I ended up owning a test kitchen for many years and uh, developed recipes and developing products and did a lot of uh, work that basically translated food trends into something that people could use and learn that that was one form of innovation. Uh, eventually, I sold that company and took uh, roles at a senior level in Canadian food companies where I led R&D teams and, again, leveraged that, that insight into what do people really want. Uh, and sometimes people don't know what they want. You know, Henry Ford said that if he'd asked people what the, they needed, they would have said a faster horse. So my job has always been to say, okay, well, a faster horse is all right, but what, what else can solve that problem? And so anyhow, long story short, I, I've helped hundreds of small food companies in the last five years to uh, break into the market and to leverage that, that careers long insight that I've developed in ways that can help them to make money. And now I work at the University of Guelph helping researchers to do that. So they aren't all food companies, but they're in agri-foods. When I talk about getting further away from people's mm. mouths, I used to be like right there watching them eat. Now sometimes I'm helping somebody develop a seed that will grow whatever was on those plates. So uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell. 
Wow. So interesting. And I love that, how you've grown and, and you know, we come further away from, from people's mouths because, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a, an evolution of your career. That's very cool. So today I want to talk with you about... Like not only about labels, but definitely about labels. But before we kind of hone in a little bit more in on that, then, of course, since the start of COVID, you know, we've seen a whole bunch of businesses and a lot of restaurants that have been totally crippled. And it seems that, of course, supermarkets are the uh, are the biggest winners of all of these uncertain times. Um, What are you aware of with respect to kind of what's happening in the food industry further to, you know, all the all the big the big companies doing well because everybody was, especially in the beginning, stocking up all the time. So what, yeah. what, do you, what do you see that's going on out there? It's uncertain times for everybody. That's the only commonality uh, is that every business, even retailers, don't know what's coming next. I think if you were to ask somebody who runs a grocery store or owns a grocery store chain to say, hey, did you think that all that stuff on the outside of the store, all those ready meals and that sushi bar and all the you know deli counter and everything, did you think that those would be less popular than the uh, soup aisle? Okay. Uh, in summer 2020, they would have laughed. Because for years and years, the center of the store was becoming like this, this wasteland and, and everyone was moving to, you know, all the uh, semi-prepared stuff. And, uh, and, and that's a real big change. So and everything is new and everyone has to think about things in a new way. And even the folks who have maybe won financially since COVID struck, they, um, man, they've bought and paid for that success because they've had to work so hard and think so hard and reinvent right. themselves 20 times. Yeah. And it's just, you know, if you think being in the food business is fun, guess what? It's always <laughs> hard and now it's even more stressful. <laughs> oh, yes. And are we seeing uh, a change in kind of not necessarily manufacturing, probably more in the labels that, that we're, that we're seeing, because of course, um, I don't know, maybe there's some foods in particular that have spiked in their sales during, you know, during this time, immunity, obviously being a really, you know, a big buzzword and people talking about that. And I think over the time of COVID, I found that people from, you know, that I deal with were very interested in boosting their immunity. And then it sort of went super quiet. And now I think that we're getting out there a little bit more schools, not too far away. Then I think people are becoming a little more aware, but I don't know. It's sort of, like you said, the only thing that is certain is that everything is sort of uncertain. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, so what sort of things, again, have you have you seen? Sales spikes, uh, other than toilet paper and paper towel, of course. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there's been the things that people started, some would say stocking up on, others would say hoarding. Uh, but there's definitely been a, a move back to buying more ingredients. I think uh, shoppers are generally, as a, as a big, massive group, more price sensitive than they were before COVID because okay. many aren't earning um, at the same level that they were yep. before and, uh, and and cooking from scratch is, is always more affordable unless of course you're you know gourmet cooking uh, right. uh, you know Julia Child or something like that but, but yeah. generally speaking um, yeah ingredients are back which I love but again uh, back to the immunity thing 
I think that food manufacturers are looking at the products they sell and trying to find new claims. Uh, we still see people on diets. Uh, the keto 10 for me probably was a keto 20. I don't even want to step on the scale, but you know, so there are so the, the, oh, the, co- the, the um, quarantine 15, you mean? You said yes, keto, exactly. keto 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sorry, I, I'm thinking about how keto is. I'm misspeaking because, uh, you know, keto was such a big diet before COVID. And then we saw everybody eating bread. Like I know. Bake, uh, bake off. And- great. Great, great bake-offs all over the place. Exactly. But I think keto is going to be having a resurgence again uh, to deal with our COVID 10 or 15. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, you're starting to see a lot of uh, products that, that have that kind of a call out on it. I do think immunity is going to be a very big, if not a claim on packages, a very big part of the marketing story that we're going to see, especially going into traditional cold and flu season, because this year more than ever, we're all very conscious of, of that looming over us. And, uh, and I do think that that has a long-term um, and by long term, I mean like three to five year. It has a you know runway ahead of it. So I think if uh, if you were a food marketer and you could have called out anti aging or um, you know some other you know oxidant claim uh, last year at this time on a product, you probably now will be tweaking the language to suggest that those antioxidants will help you fight off uh, all kinds of colds, viruses, and flus. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you say about the claims on the labels, there's, uh, you know, personally, I find it, or professionally, I should say, well, and personally, but I find it exasperating when I have to let a client of mine know that actually, in fact, no, the DHA that's written on your orange juice label is maybe not going to make up for the fact that you don't like fish and you're not eating fish and taking, you know, something like my take this by Leanne Omega Boost, for instance, is the way to go. Um, be, just because sometimes there are foods that don't go together, you know, you're talking about a fat with orange juice and from a di- from an absorption standpoint, they're really, they're not best of friends on, you know, on that front. And, and I find that I, as the nutritionist, am educating so much to make up for the claims that have been written on the labels. So, you know, let's say that we are looking at something that says the antioxidants are supporting your, um, you know, your immunity or whatever it happens to be. Where do you see the trust coming from people? Is it just because it's written on there and they think, okay, great, I'll do, I'll do the... I don't know, I'm just going to make this up, you know, the cherry flavored Coke, because cherries, well, they're supposed to be good for your immune system and cherries are, are dark in color. And I think that was somebody said something about antioxidants, right? Like you kind of go through the process of putting that together and come up with, no, that's really still not helping at all. But I like the way you're thinking. So, yeah, no, and I think you've identified um, both the pitfall and the, uh, and, and the, the bonus of, of communicating about health. And I'm so glad we have people out there doing your job. I, RDs and, and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, truly qualified nutritionists is so important to really unpack the science. The marketers are not evil. You know, I've been, no. 
we want people to be healthy, but it's also our job to sell products. So we all have to look at the regulatory framework and do what we can to encourage someone to choose our product A from product B that is kind of has all the similar features and benefits and costs about the same amount. Okay. So in a lot of cases, I think we as um, food professionals, you and I, uh, we owe it to be really informing policymakers when things aren't quite right. And that's tough because, of course, there's all these layers between the consumer and, uh, and the regulatory boards. And a lot of times the things you're allowed to say are peculiar and weird to consumers. And then the things that are so simple, uh, you know, we're not allowed to say because of, of some language in the regulatory yes. framework. So it's, it's tricky. And, um, and unfortunately, it makes it so much more difficult for the consumer. At the University of Guelph, I was involved in a uh, white paper that came out recently. It's called a Spotlight Report at University, all about um, Canada's food guide and where it succeeds and where it could be optimized. And, and it was a group of about 20 uh, people. There were folks from public health. There were people like me. Uh, as well as some of you know Canada's um, most uh, you know well-known um, nutrition and food science thinkers, and you know what? There's always so much room for improvement, and it just unfortunately isn't something you can click over in a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. There's so much, and I understand you know, I created my own supplement line and the hoops that I had to, you know, go through for the, for the labeling, let alone the ingredients and then the NPN numbers. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. actually something I haven't really talked about too much on this podcast. So that's some, maybe something I should talk about at some point, but there are very strange things that you can say, and there are many things that you can't say. So I do, um, you know, I do appreciate that. I think it's just trying to create some sort of transparency to the consumer, to the customer, to the end user. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's trying to be sold to, right? Like you said, there's two products on the shelf and they're almost identical, but what's going to make you grab exactly. A or B? And what's, what's the difference? And you never know, but you have to try because that's just part of commerce. That's just part of, part of what makes the world go around. Exactly. So think about this. You've got in a big grocery store, you know, one of the, the ones that you would, you know, not necessarily walk into downtown, but the ones in the suburbs, you've got at least 75,000 products in that store. That's crazy, isn't Before it? Before COVID, you wanted to get in and out of that store quickly. Now you must get in and out of that store quickly. They only want 35,000 for 40 people in the store at one time. Yep. And that means uh, that all of a sudden, those packages have to communicate even more mm -hmm. clearly and even more succinctly. And all of this, you know, there's so many things about COVID and you mentioned restaurants earlier, you know, that was already a sector that was undergoing, I think, you know, a lot of transformation coming close to an inflection point in where the models have to change and the inputs have to change. And, and COVID has accelerated that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also identified 
that we really lack a good basis of food literacy in Canada. People who live on farms have assumptions about people who live in the suburbs and the city. People even in the country who live near farms don't necessarily understand what that's all about. And that's at the base level where we have an issue. Then each, each level up as you, you know, get into processing food and storing food and commoditizing food and packaging food and marketing food, yeah. there's, there's a layer of uh, literacy that, that is, if not missing, not optimized. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I would probably say that's a lot of why I do what I do is because I feel like the education piece is, you know, is, is missing. So even with the orange juice with DHA in it, for instance, it, it's, it is understanding that your body, you know, does need fat in order to digest other fats. I just had someone send me an email to say, Oh, I've heard, what was it? I think I've heard that omegas really help. You know, I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes about taking magnesium for good sleep. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, if you're having difficulties, she said, Oh, I heard omegas do the same thing. Shall I take them at the same time before I go to bed? And then I replied and said, mm, no, take the fish oils with, with food because you need to be able to digest, you know, digest it. So I'm just using that as an example because people have to figure out, so what's that DHJ stuff? What's that doing for me anyway? So that has to be communicated on the label as well. And then there's more education needed. Whenever I talk to groups of new parents, then we're talking about the iron that goes into the infant cereal and mm -hmm. how absorbable it is. And there's a lot more education that I find that I do you know, that I do a lot of the time just because people need, need to know. And then when they find that out, they say, well, why didn't my doctor tell me that? Like, that is really not, it's not that it's not important for doctors to know. It's like, they've got a lot of other stuff that they're there in the office dealing with. And this is even pre COVID. So I think the education piece, anytime that we can get more information out to, out to consumers and some consumers don't care. They'll just be like, Oh, I like that label that, Oh, that sound that speaks to me. And then off they go. Um, and then other times people want to know more. Somewhere between her jeans collection and her sock drawer, this is Eat This with Leanne. Today on Eat This with Leanne, we're talking with Dana McCauley, a colleague in the food industry. And uh, yeah, thanks so much again for being with us, Dana. And, and so I, if I can, I'd love to turn the tables and ask you, you know, I, of course, see that my pharmacist does a lot of really valuable work. The doctor yes. prescribes something, the pharmacist explains to me how to use it, etc. Yes. Do you think that we should have the equivalent for food and for food labels? Like, I think that there should be somebody in the grocery store who I can take my cart over to and show them this and say, when should I drink this? I'm on these three medications and I have this health problem. Like, why do we not have a food version of a pharmacist? Uh, it's a brilliant question, Dana. That's just... Because food is our medicine. You know, Hippocrates said that, let food be thy medicine and medicine be, be thy food. So 
I think the education piece that's missing out there is absolutely crucial. And there would probably be people going through the supermarket going, I don't need to talk to you. I know what I'm doing, but that's fine. That's, you know, same kind of thing would happen with meds, but that's a perfect analogy of go to the doctor, you say what's going on. And then, you know, you go and get the, the medication. And like you said, the pharmacist is amazing at what they do, do this, do that. They, they, and, and I've often said that, that that's what I do. Even when I've worked with naturopaths, when I've worked with chiropractors and clinics and all of those kind of things. And I, I say that I'm, you know, I'm the one that they have to see last because at the end of the day, everybody just needs to know what should I put in my mouth? Like after everything that you tell me about my health, about everything that you want to know about me, just distill it down to what needs to be on my plate next time. Let's, well, let's work on that. Let's see if we can get that to, that to happen. We'll get right on that. Yeah, we'll just get on that right now, especially more people in a supermarket is not quite what we need right now. But yeah, we'll maybe we'll maybe do a virtual a virtual person. There's technology. There must be a way, you know, if we've got QR codes, we've got Zoom, there must exactly. be a way. Exactly. Exactly. Not a kiosk where you, or, or some kind of an app where you put in all your issues and you put in the things that you're planning to buy and it's like, does a yeah. buy this not? Absolutely. That's absolutely fantastic. I love it. So um, one of the foods that, of course, are gaining in popularity and I think will definitely be talked about a lot, of course, is probiotics in, um, you know, in all sorts of well, supplements is more really what I deal with. We've got the food source of, uh, you know, all the fermented foods are out there. But then you start to see that your cookie bars or your cookies and then your bars, well, they've got probiotics in them now. And I mean, I happen to know that there's only going to be certain strains that are going to be able to survive and be viable in some sort of package, something or another. So I don't know, you know, have... Do manufacturers, as far as you're, you're aware, do they go through studies and things like that? And actually, can they prove that it's really making an impact? It is changing people's microbiome. And I really am talking about more of a package situation as opposed to your yogurt, kimchi, kefir, all of those kind of things. It depends on, on the size of the company, right? So when you look at right. these very big international companies, they have massive staff um, resources that are food scientists and nutritionists and, you know, PhD research level um, scientists. But some of the smaller companies, uh, they, they probably are, 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 are winging it a bit. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, your, the trust that your consumers have in you is, is essential if you want to be around for a long time. But, you know, we've all, it's, you know, there's a reason that we have a phrase called snake oil salesman in, <laughs> we our, do. in our vocabulary. And it's because there are folks out there. And back, you did mention cherry Coke a few minutes ago. Coca-Cola started out as a medicinal product that contained cocaine. So we also know that science evolves and people's understanding of it uh, evolves. But I do think that um, some people try very hard for a niche. Right. And they also sometimes solve problems that people don't have. So, you know, there are a lot of very poor products that uh, are developed where, you know, somebody thinks they know what people need, but guess what? They didn't come up with car. They came out, you know, with horse on roller skates and that, right. that's not good. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And what do you, um, do you, I mean, people are influenced by what's, what's written on the label. 
Is that is that in the work that you've done in the past? Having a health sure. having a health claim on there is going to make them choose A with the health claim over the B, even if it's sort of a little on the really kind of side, or you know how much impact it can actually have. I think so, and I, I think it, it varies from consumer to consumer, but it wouldn't be on the label for very long if it didn't have work. It would get relaunched with a new label and new claims and new marketing. So when you see those types of things persist on a product, you know it's working because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just, it just, nobody can afford to, to, to not have effective marketing for, for very long. The best way to, uh, you know, drive a, um, you know, driver product out of the stores to have nobody buy it. So it's obviously working, but at the same time, you know, we've got Hippocrates, so we may as well, you know, go back uh, to, you know, Latin again, you know, it's buyer beware, caveat emptor, right? And and we do have to be educated and we do have to ask, ask good questions. And if you're buying cookie bars that have uh, a um, probiotic claim on them, are you really just looking for an excuse to buy cookies? So you gotta own <laughs> of course, that's on you. And uh, I am not somebody who like, I have a dear friend. He's uh, he's uh, filled with all kinds of great sayings, and one of them is everything in moderation, including including moderation. moderation. There are times when I want that extra drink, or I want that slice of cake, and guess what? I I, I really shouldn't have it. So I'm not. Uh, you know, saying that you need to deny yourself. You also have to own your crap, you know? You can't say, oh, yes, a salad is, by definition, vegetables with a sauce on them, and then say French fries with ketchup is a salad. Like, and then, (laughs) I don't have to tell you, they play those games with themselves. Oh, people do. They really, really do. You know, they just like, if I just tweak it this way in my brain, then I don't have to feel guilty. And I just say, you know what, eat the damn fries and don't feel guilty because your next meal could just be something else. It could be a salad. You could have more vegetables, whatever it is, you know, don't deny yourself unless you feel like you really have gone overboard, which certainly a lot of people have during, you know, during isolation and, and during these times. So you know, you can always do something the, the next, with the next bite. That's what I say on this podcast, on this podcast, you know, you eat one mouthful at a time because you, you get to choose what's coming next. And it could be a bar or a cookie with probiotics. And you think, oh, well, I'm getting my daily dose. Mm, not so much. I mean, you still have to think that it's still in a package. So I'd rather see people eat a, a really good cookie that they really enjoy. Uh, oh, and yes. themselves into eating something that's subpar just because it has that that emotional yeah that emotional safety net under it it's interesting Uh, i have embraced i i um i've always been somebody who really was proud of my achievements and 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 has built reputation on 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 you know being good at what i do but i have to say uh as i hurdle towards middle age that i have embraced uh, the whole mantra of progress, not perfection. And, uh, it, and it, I, I am mentally much happier since I did that. Good for you. Oh, I love that. Say that again. Progress. Perfection. Progress instead, not progress, not perfection. Yeah. I love that. That's, I'll take it. I'll be happy with it, but it's I'm, good. Uh, 
not going to beat myself up over not getting there. No, no, because where's there anyway? You just, when you do get there, you think, I don't think there was where I really wanted to be. Or it's, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the rainbow and the gold pot of whatever it is that you wanted of happiness or money or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah well said, well said. Thank you. So just one last question in um, maybe kind of in the work that you do, but I know that you're still so connected in the industry anyway. Are you sort of seeing innovations and interesting things um, you know, still in the works that were, were kind of happening pre, you know, pre COVID or has the innovation side of things. I mean, that's an area that I am absolutely fascinated by all the time. I keep, you know, try and keep up with all those kind of things that are, that are coming up and coming and new products and, and what are they doing with, with, with um, like vegan eggs and, and all of those kind of things, just cause I'm curious. I have that kind of mind, but I wonder in COVID has, have things really stopped for them too? There's been a pause for sure. So I mentioned you know, the retailers may be, you know, winning uh, in that they're, you know, much busier than the restaurants, but they've been so busy that no one has updated what you, the layout of a store. They call that the planogram. So there are people, it's their job to decide where things will be in the store and how you'll find them and experience them. And I uh, have been told that most retailers have, not updated their planograms, which means they haven't been adding new products. There's not a lot of launches happening um, because, you know, they're fighting fires. But I also know that there's a lot of really cool stuff happening at the food science level and particularly in plant-based and particularly in um, bioavailability. So at the university, mm. I with companies that are, are spinning out um, of our research. And we have one company that is uh, using a compound in sour cherries to develop a nanotechnology that can be applied to all different kinds of uh, problems, both in animal feed and human feed. And that's super exciting uh, to Ooh. see that going to be new ways for people like you to help people to get the nutrients they need for many reasons. And some of them aren't just for our health, but for sustainability. In fact, this technology has been identified as being able to be added to animal feed so that the animals process the food differently and re release less methane. So Ooh, that's huge. Massive, right? So Massive. It's not about making the animals healthier or the people who eat or the products that are made from the animals healthier. It's about the environment. Uh, so, and then on that cellular agriculture piece, there's so much happening internationally with, you know, deriving protein from, from literally from air uh, and, and not having to use animals. So there is so much. And if you ever want to talk about uh, that kind of a topic, I would love to come back and- Oh, and you must. Cool technology that is emerging. This is, I would say we're entering as much as it's like the decline and fall of maybe the restaurant as we know it, we're entering the golden age of food science. Food science has in my whole career has never been at such an exciting, vibrant, innovative time. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, that, well, that's just like, that's just giving me a really big boost because I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think, you know, during these times, because I think, well, what, you know, what, what do we got to look forward to more uncertainty? Great. But I, I love, love hearing that there, that there are things still happening and being developed. And yeah, we definitely will do an episode on, um, on the cellular agriculture. And just, I think it's just fascinating to know what, what is out there and and what people are working on because it just shows you the innovation and and the way that people think so differently some people it would never cross their mind and other people are inventing all sorts of very cool things so oh this has been tremendous i've loved our i've loved our conversation and i i already look forward to our to our next one so thank you very much if people want to know a little bit more about what you do um where where should i send them i'll put i'll put your your bio and a beautiful photo that you said that you shared with me i'll put put that in the notes on leannephillipson.com along with the links to the podcast of course but just tell it tell everybody where they can check you out if they want to follow you i i love all of, all of your tweets that you put out so i do follow you um fairly closely on twitter too so that's great well yes and i'd love to have uh conversations with your listeners on twitter and that way i can funnel folks either towards the university of guelph where i can connect them to the information they need from experts uh, and then I also still have my little side business, Blue Unicorn Innovation, where I help uh, small and medium-sized food companies. So if uh, somebody wants to contact me about that kind of stuff, hitting me up on Twitter will direct you in both directions. Okay, and what's your handle on Twitter? At Dana McCauley, spelled just like- I'll, I'll put it in the notes. People will be able, people will be able to find it all in the notes. But just for anybody sure. who's maybe listening in the car or on a walk or something like that, then then uh, then you can search for Dana on on Twitter. So thank you so much, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that next date and keep our my loyal listeners in the loop on what else is coming out. So thank you again. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dana, for a really dynamic discussion about the food industry. I'm so glad that she touched on what's happening in restaurants and so much more. How did you like her suggestion of having a food version of like what a pharmacist does to support your doctor's prescription recommendation? So that, you know, when you get your prescription filled, your pharmacist tells you when to take your medication, whether you take it with or without food, what you might look for in terms of side effects and all the things that goes along with whatever it is that you've been given. I loved her idea of having someone help you to shop for what you need to eat, depending on maybe some symptoms, some pains, or even just when it's best to eat a certain food. I guess kind of essentially that's what I do with my clients, but someone actually in the supermarket, a little bit like a personal health shopper. Wow. I think, uh, I think that would change lives and I know it would impact what on earth it is that you put into your cart. I think Dana surely, she really showed her true innovative colors there, didn't she? So what was your key takeaway from this episode? Will you look at labels differently as you shop next time? Will something that was said in this episode make you think twice about 
the product, about the shelves, about really your whole supermarket experience. And also what's going to happen the next time that you want a cookie, for instance. Are you going to go for the one that says that it has a probiotic in it because you think it's a health, healthier option? Could that ingredient ease your guilt that you actually feel that, oh, this is a better cookie, <laughs> so I'm just going to go and buy it? Or... As Chris is giggling in the background, he's shaking his head. I know you guys can't see that. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking up this word "guilt." You keep talking about. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Because I actually think, let me inject what I think, just go buy your favorite cookie. Yes! Go and enjoy it. But maybe at the same time, consider limiting yourself to maybe one or two rather than sitting down and just eating the whole package. Or if it's that kind of day, or Chris getting to the bottom of his ice cream container. It's always that kind of day. It's always that kind of day, Leanne. Now give me back my cookies. <laughs> Let's take his ice cream and shove it in the middle of the cookies and make him a really great ice oh, cream yes, sandwich. Yes. That's helped him out. There we go. Oh, so much. Lots and lots of food for thought here in this episode, as well as Chris giggling in the background with his ice cream sandwich. So next time we go through you're covered even not even going to the supermarket or maybe you're clicking on your on your next order is there a product that you buy and and look at some claims on the front are you really drawn more towards something that's going to say this is going to help your immunity and maybe if you're not sure why don't why don't you take a picture of it post it on social media with your questions and tag me with either uh, at @sproutright or at @leanne phillipson on facebook instagram or twitter and let's talk about it Let's figure out if it's worth spending your hard-earned dollars on and will it actually have an impact on your health. Together, we will figure this out because I really think that this is something that so many people get so confused about and I'm not surprised because it is really, really confusing. So as we go through this and figure this out together, this is because I really want you to always eat one mouthful at a time but with confidence. I just added a little bit onto our tagline there, Chris. Did you happen to notice that? (laughs) Yes, I I noticed. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? Should we keep it? Yeah, let's keep it. Sure. Uh, Let's keep it with confidence. Who doesn't want some confidence when you're, when you're shopping and when you're, and when you're eating, unless you're Chris is just having a cookie day every day. (laughs) That's the one thing I get blamed for all the time is, is eating the entire bag of cookies. So we, yeah. yeah, we'll buy it one day and the next day it's all gone. And usually yep. it's because I, in the morning, like I'll get up in the morning and it's, it's a, the worst thing I do is I, I have always have my coffee, but I like chocolate with my coffee, right? Love it. Okay. So I don't always have chocolate, but if, if we have some decent cookies in the house, I'll grab a couple on my way out the door and I'll nibble on them while I'm drinking my coffee on the way to work or used okay. to, I suppose. Don't do it as much anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then instead of just taking two out of the bag, I like take two out of the bag, put them in a Ziploc, put them back in the cupboard and take the bag. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> and then so does that bad. come does that go into your into your new office? <laughs> into your into your sound studio yeah. bathroom. Well, before I I was I used to leave the crime scene, right? So no like, nobody could do anything about it. Now I'm just down in the bathroom like a crazy man munching on cookies in a closet. That's all I am now. So then now now my my family can find me and I get the knock on the door. Dan, 
Have you seen the cookies? Yes. <laughs> it's like, get out, go away. There's, yeah. I left you some in the cupboard. <laughs> Two in a Ziploc bag. See if you can find it, because I even hid those for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, oh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the worst habit I do is by far is eating wings. <laughs> it's by far the worst. Yeah, it's, well. yeah, yeah, shortbread is my thing. <laughs> shortbread, yeah. They, they didn't have any at the market last week. Oh, uh, no, your butter half infused. Gra- half grateful, half not. Oh, uh. so, uh, well, <laughs> listeners there, Chris is just giving you something else to do if you want to reach out. What's the thing that you do? What's your version of cookies? Uh, my daughter, she'll leave one of everything one of uh, my youngest <laughs> she'll leave one so same kind of thing as you yeah. there'll be something something stashed somewhere you know i've got cookies and and chocolate and stuff like that in the house like w- good ones i yeah. don't just have have stuff that i don't really like because i'll just inhale it so so there's always like one left or or the best thing is is if we have a bag of chips then there'll be like three chips left at the bottom, but then they put that clip it thing right at the top so it looks like the bag's full. <laughs> but because there's so much air in it, then then those three chips, you know, when you want like a yeah. salted salt attack <laughs> or something like that, then uh, yeah, there's three stale chips left. My- <laughs> there we go. We've moved from from uh, labeling and marketing <laughs> to, um, to to tactics. <laughs> So we've really given a lot of value in this podcast today, far more than what you uh, what you anticipated. And I hope so many more laughs. And just as a complete side note, I want to wish my incredible wizard producer, Chris Kant and his beautiful wife to be April, the most phenomenal celebration of your love together this coming weekend and by the time my lovely listeners our lovely listeners are hearing this you'll be a married man yes yes i will yes thank you very much leanne i appreciate that congratulations to you both you're both exceptional human beings and i can't i can't think of a of a better union of the two of you guys because you're just awesome oh lucky you can't see that he's blushing (laughs) (laughs) way to the wedding Oh, well, maybe we'll hear some snippets on the episode next week. Chris will break things down uh, for us on some of the, maybe even some of the food antics that went on, because you know wedding, what weddings are like on that front. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And I don't know that I've already said it, but eat this one mouthful at a time. 